Hey you guys, this is Sarah Kroger. Welcome to The Purpose Project. You know, I hope that someday I envision having this theme song and some incredible entry to this podcast, but like I've said before for now, I am a mom sitting in a basement just waiting for the next kid to bust in. In fact, even just recording this opening, I got interrupted no fewer than two times because you guys, that's real life and that is how it goes down here. I am apparently the judge in some strange contest where the goal is to find me and get involved in whatever it is that I'm doing, which sometimes is a beautiful creation of family life and sometimes is just trying to take a shower. But guys, I have some exciting stuff to talk to you about today and I cannot wait to dig in because you need to know that you were loved into existence on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. And that purpose is greater than just making it to bedtime. All right, you guys, let's do this. You are going to want to get a pencil and some paper um, for this episode. I have got an incredible metaphor for you today. And I love a good metaphor because it really helps you understand something that you might not, you might either have trouble understanding in general, or you might be, you know, blocked in seeing it fully, or this might help you understand it in a new way. And this came to me the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, so good, and helped me understand basically human existence (laughs) in a new way. And yeah, that that's a big topic. But Bear with me, we're going to dig in. This is the Purpose Project, and the whole point here is for you to understand and step into the purpose for which you were created. That's a big topic, and so I am going to give you this series coming up here, and I think it is going to be five parts because I have four of them, but I really think I really think there's going to be a fifth one. So we're going to go ahead and say it's a five part series. And if I have to go back and, you know, call myself a liar, so be it. Hopefully you'll forgive me. But I love, love gardening and raising and growing food. And it's interesting because in the last five years, my husband, our whole family, and I have gone from just we were we just grew up as typical suburbanites lived in a neighborhood you know played on the sidewalk did all the things just totally normal right and in the last 5 years we have shifted gears in a big big way and now we have a homestead and i i had a garden i had a pretty big garden for the suburbs Um, when we lived in Cincinnati and I had, I think by the time we were done, I had six raised bed gardens and used a method called square foot gardening. And I loved it. And it gave so much, it produced so much fruit and so much goodness came out of our garden and I loved it. And, um, sometimes I miss it because there's parts about that style of gardening that were easier and I could build, well, I Ben could build for me some raised bed gardens. It's, it's, he's the, he's the builder. He's the guy with the know-how and the skill in order to do that. I kind of just say, Hey, this is what I would like it to be like at the end. And as if by magic, it appears. 
which is a beautiful thing. Um, it doesn't work that, that all the time, obviously, but it works like that a lot of the time. And he's the one who built my beds before, my raised beds before. But now we garden in the ground and we raise chickens. We have dairy goats. Um, we raise turkeys. We've done pigs in the past. I think that's it in terms of animals, unless I'm something I'm forgetting. We did ducks for a while, but that was awful. And I, I really have no desire ever to have ducks again. They... They make chickens look neat and tidy, which if, you, if you've ever been around chickens, you know how messy they are. And um, man, ducks are a million times worse. If you love ducks, I'm really, really sorry. And I'm happy to let you raise all the ducks because I don't want to anymore. Um, but that's not the point here. The point here, we're going to talk about basically life as a garden, because I think that even if you are not a gardener, you're familiar with the concept of a garden and the concept of how all that grows. And um, I wanted to just share some revelations that I have had in the last week with you over the course of this series. And today we're going to talk about human needs. And so I have been reading a devotional. I just started. I've been reading a devotional by Amy Seifert called Grace Looks Good on You. You can get it on Amazon. I highly recommend it. I have just started this week reading it and because it just came and I am loving every word of it. And I got to tell you, and I told Amy this too, I feel like it was written exactly for my heart and my life right now. In fact, day three of it is called On Purpose with Purpose. And I was like, well, and I messaged her and I was like, Amy, thank you so much for writing a devotional just for me. Um, it, it's just perfect. It just fits perfectly with the message that I am trying to live and learn about and share with you. And I highly recommend it. And in fact, the author herself is going to be a guest on this podcast coming up. So watch out for that one. I'm so excited to talk about her. I just love everything that I'm hearing from her so far. But in there, she makes this great reference to a garden and that God is basically the ultimate gardener and concerned with the small details. So this God who created the entire universe and everything in it, once he finished that phase of creation, these massive celestial be like entities and things and spaces and water and sky and stars and all of it, he literally made a garden. And he literally made plants and sowed them into the soil. And he literally picked up dust and breathed life into it to create Adam. And he is the ultimate gardener concerned with all of those details. And I just, my mind, when I was reading that, I was like, wow, what a beautiful, beautiful way to look at things. Because you know what? From gardens come life and nourishment, and beauty, and order, and surprise. A garden contains every human need. And so when I talk about human needs, I'm going to jump over to my man, Tony Robbins. He doesn't know that we're like best friends, um, but whatever. Maybe he'll listen to this, and then he will know that we're best friends. Um, I'm actually so excited because, God willing, I am going to hear him speak later on this year, 
Um, I really, really don't want that to be canceled, but hopefully it's far enough out that it won't be. Um, Because I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now where I am, we are still under basically house arrest and they're flirting with the idea of reopening some things in the state. So hopefully that goes well and we can... I mean, not get back to normal because I really believe that we are changed forever by what has happened in the last two months with the coronavirus and the lockdown and all the things. Um, and so I, I also think that there have been some gifts that have come from this season that I don't want to let go of. I have talked to people and I felt this myself too, but I've talked to people who've said, you know what, I really liked the slow life. I've really liked how things are not as fast as they were in the before time. And I don't want that to change. I don't want to go back. I want things to move forward. And so I've been saying I won't call this time a new normal. I believe it's a temporary normal and we have to work within that. But I think we're going to create a new normal. And I talked a little bit about this at one point too, that like I don't believe you have to wait until the dust settles and see what's left and pick up the pieces and rebuild. I think you get to decide now what it is that you want to hold on to moving forward as things open up and we get back to what seems like normal life when people get to go back to you know, parks and hair salons and stores and those kinds of things, God willing, church soon. I really miss that one. Um, what you get to hold on to and intentionally bring back into uh, your out in the open life again. Um, but I want to shift gears, like I said, and I want to talk about um, this concept of human needs. It's something that I heard from Tony Robbins, and you can look him up. He has a million videos out on YouTube, and they are like so incredible. He has so much to offer in terms of um, perspective and mindset and understanding needs. And his statement, his claim is that every human has six needs. They are not wants, they are not goals, and everyone has them. I am not going to fully teach about these today, but I am going to give you this metaphor here in a minute. But to start, you need to write down what these what these six human needs are. So number one, the first human need is the need for certainty. You need, you, you desire, you, you crave, you value certainty, which frankly is what makes this season so difficult for people because... You know, you see stuff out there that says, oh, my gosh, you're just being asked to sit on your couch and not do anything. Why is that so hard? Because it's very uncertain. Because people are losing their jobs and people are getting sick and people are dying and then other people are not. And other people are not staying home and other people are not changing anything. And it's very uncertain. And and I don't know about you, but... I seem to vacillate widely in how uh, nervous I am in this whole situation. And it, it really has to do with this sense of not having certainty, not knowing when it will end or what it will be look, what it will look like when things are quote unquote over, or if that is even ever going to be a reality, you know? So the number one human need, not necessarily in, in number one, in order of value, just the first one I'm telling you is the need for certainty. But number two is the need for uncertainty and variety. 
because even a person who values certainty, like I, I favor certainty. That is something that is very highly favored in my life. And you still want some uncertainty. You still want a little bit of variety in your life. Even if you eat the same breakfast every single day and love it, you still want something different for dinner each night. Or you still want to, when you're watching a movie, you like the element of surprise. Um, some people like a lot of uncertainty. Some people like a lot of surprise and variety, and they really, really tire from repetition. So the first one is certainty. The second one is uncertainty. Number three is significance. The need to feel unique and the desire to feel needed, like you're important. You matter to someone. Your existence matters. There's a need for significance. And I think that, that is something that people um, struggle with when they really are fighting depression and wondering if they are significant and, and feeling not significant. So number three, human need is significance. Number four is connection and love. You need to feel connected to the world around you and you need to experience love. You might get that connection or love in different ways than other people. We don't all get our needs met in the same way, but we all have that need for connection and love. Number five is the need for growth. People are not happy when they are not, when they're just stagnant, when they're just not growing. And that's why, again, that is a real um, outpouring of depression, the sense of stagnancy. People are not moving forward and growing and learning and um, changing. And that stagnancy is is really hard for people to manage. And then number six, human need is contribution. And I really want to say this does not make us all the same. Just like Ben and I talked about in the last episode about um, temperaments. You might have the same temperament as someone, but your, your experience of it is very different. The way that you are particular, if you're a melancholic like me, might be very different than the way that I'm particular, right? All of these kinds of things... Um, play out differently, but everybody has these same six human needs. But I want to translate this a little bit and talk to it, talk to these six human needs in the sense of a garden and how that garden applies to us and our life and our experience. Because, you know, like I said, God is this gardener and from gardens come life. And our goal here with this purpose project is for you to not just like first believe that you have this purpose and then figure out what that purpose is and how to live it out. And I really think that a study of these six human needs is a step in that direction. And to be clear, this is just kind of an overview of me sharing my thoughts with you. One of the things that I do in the course that I teach is actually work through these things with my students and actually work through this concept of purpose and how to develop the habits and develop the, the behaviors that support you finding your purpose and uncovering it and living in, in it. So if you ever hear something that you're like, gosh, I wish she could talk more about that. I, I do. I teach very specifically these things in my Purpose Project course that is more than just an episode on a podcast. So translating those six human needs into a garden, number one, the first need is for certainty. From a garden perspective, guys, if you plant it, it will grow. That is certain. If you plant all your seeds, something will grow. 
And to narrow that down even further, if you plant zucchini seeds, you get zucchini. That Like, you don't get tomatoes out of zucchini seeds. It's certain, okay? You know that if you plant an apple tree, you get apples, not lemons. You know that if you put down grass seed, you get grass that comes up, not, I don't know, bell peppers, right? That's the certainty. And and if you plant it, if you cultivate the soil, if you do the steps of gardening, you will have a garden. That is certain. You can count on it. But number two, the, the uncertainty is, you know what? You can't control the weather. I got my garden all ready to put stuff in it. And now in Ohio, we are having like this crazy cold snap and that even the cold weather plants, it is too cold for me to put them out. There's talk of the S word of snow this weekend. I don't think we'll get any snow where I am, but I know that there are a lot of people with a decent snowstorm in their forecast. The worst thing about Ohio, I got to be honest, is ice. Um, We get a lot more snow in northern Ohio than I did when I lived in southern Ohio, but in general, Ohio isn't known as much for its snow, but man, we can get ice like the best of them, and that is the worst, man, and particularly terrible for plants, and so people who planted flowers or some of your flowers that just come up naturally um, can, can really be harmed by this. You can't control the weather. The other thing you can't control, like I said to you in the in the number one, that if you plant it, it'll grow. And you're like, well, will it? I mean, yes, something will grow. But the uncertain part of it is you don't know what your germination rate will be. I planted a whole tray of tomato seeds because I'm a glutton for punishment, really, if we're being honest. I plant tomato seeds every year and they never come up well. I mean, <laughs> they just or they are just piddly little plants. And then I'm like, screw it. And I go to the greenhouse. I'm convinced with the way that I garden, we just don't have a long enough growing season for me to start tomatoes from seeds because I'm not doing grow lights and heat pads and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, my point is I planted a whole tray of tomatoes and literally one of them germinated and it took six weeks to germinate. So it's like I'm now I kind of feel like my whole house arrest hopes rest on that one tomato plant because it has been like a reflection of my journey so far in this season. But that's the uncertain side of it. You don't know what your germination rate is going to be. You don't know how well these things are going to grow. You don't know what the pest situation is going to be like, or the weather, or how much it's going to rain, or, you know, what's going to get into the garden if the if the barrier that you've planted is enough to keep the bunnies or whatever out of your garden, or if one of the goats is going to break out and just have a feast on what you've got growing in there. There's some uncertainty in that, but there's also some excitement. There's some excitement in not knowing what is going to come up and at what rate and how well it's going to grow and what you're going to be able to do with it. We made jelly from violets that were growing in our pasture as well as dandelions. We have um, violet jelly and dandelion jelly. I had never made jelly before, and I went through the entire process not knowing if it was going to set up well. And frankly, even right after it came out of the canner, you you pick it up and it still looks like it's completely liquid. And you're like, did I go through all of that to just have 
I mean, syrup at the end, which not that that wouldn't have been yummy, but that was not what I was shooting for, right? There was no, it was completely uncertain. And as it turns out, as they cooled, they jellyfied and we ended up with dandelion and, and violet jelly and it was amazing, but we didn't know. And there was some excitement with the kids to see how it would turn out that we followed the recipe. We, we controlled as much as we could control, but at some point there was just uncertainty in there. Number three, um, the human need is significance, um, but uniqueness and being needed. And the garden, the garden metaphor is that the seeds, you, you're all different. Everything is different, but you need to plant the seeds in order to have the plants that bear the fruit that you can eat. And so if you don't plant the seeds in a very real sense, you don't eat. And if you're not a gardener and you're like, well, I get my fruit from the store. Okay, but somebody planted that. Someone somewhere gardened that. And so in order for you to eat, it has to be planted. Those seeds, they are significant. They are needed. They are unique and necessary. And the translation to you is that you are unique and necessary. And people are like, well, if I don't do it, somebody will do it. Sure. But you were created for that purpose. And if you don't do that purpose, God's will will be done. But it won't be done in the ideal way that he loved you into existence for. It's kind of like if I, you know, I have a chore that needs to be done and I have a particular kid that I need to do it and that kid doesn't do it and somebody else does it, it might not get done in the same way. It might not get done as well. It might not get done or they might have to compromise something else that they were going to do or it, it disrupts the flow of our family. You have a specific purpose for which you were loved into existence. And yes, God's will will happen whether you participated in it or not. It will. God's will is greater than our willingness to participate in it. But it won't be the way that he originally intended. I mean, just look at all of creation. God intended for us to live in harmony with him in the Garden of Eden forever. And then they did the thing and it set a whole new course of action in, in motion. And so now we are living in a broken world that is not the way that God designed it. And the reason why we struggle in this world is because we were still made in the image and likeness of God. And the, the image and likeness of God is perfection, which was designed to exist in the garden. So we are still designed and loved into existence as garden beings kicked out of the garden with, with sin in our heart, with original sin in our heart and the consequences of original sin in our lives. And there will always be tension in that until you are reunited with God at the end of this earthly existence. There will not ever be complete peace because we were created in the image and likeness of God. We were created for perfection. We were created for communion with him in the garden, and we are outside of that garden. And so knowing that, 
we have to understand the significance of his plan and our role in it and how sideways things go when we don't step into that purpose. Which leads right into the next one. Number four is is connection, the human need for connection and love. Guys, plants grow with care. It's not just a woo-woo idea that if you talk nicely to your plants, they grow better. Like there was actual studies, laboratory studies done about that. And I still don't understand it. I do not understand why talking nicely to a plant makes it grow better. Because it doesn't make any sense. Plants don't even have ears, right? But the the toxicity of what you put out there has an impact on the world around you and your sin is not self-contained. You are connected to me, to everyone on the planet and how the energy that you put out, the love or the hate or the whatever that you put out into the world impacts the world. You are not an island. You are connected. The plants grow with care. And you have to be connected. If you're going to grow a garden, you have to actually be out in it. You have to cultivate it. You have to work the soil. You have to be in your garden to see whether or not the plants are growing well. To see whether or not the leaves are yellowing and need to be fed to see if pests are moving in and need to be treated or removed, to see if damage has been done, and to see what's coming and experience the excitement of, oh my gosh, there are baby tomatoes that I am so excited to watch them grow and change. You need to see what your zucchini plant is doing because if you've ever grown zucchini, you know that you can go from something the size of your pointer finger to something the size of like your arm in a heartbeat. I don't know how it happens so quickly, but oh my gosh, you look at a zucchini and go, that's not quite ready. And then I feel like you come back seriously the next day and you're like, that thing is as long as my arm. What am I going to do with that? So you, you have to be in your garden. You have to cultivate it. You have to know it. You have to know what you planted where so that you can see what's coming up and know if that's your plant or if that's weeds that need to be removed. You have to be in your in there to, to protect your sprouts. And that's what another um, piece of this is going to be is protecting your sprouts. You've got to know, you've got to see them. You've got to be familiar with them. You've got to know what that looks like. So you know, I know that I have pulled out carrots before thinking they were weeds or pulled out broccoli before thinking it was a weed because there's some weeds that look an awful lot like baby broccolis. And because I was either careless in my planting or unfamiliar with what my plants coming up would look like, or just not present enough in my garden to notice, I was not able to protect those sprouts um, effectively. So you have to be connected. You have to be connected with your garden. You have to be connected with each other in this life. And then number five is a no-brainer. Like, one of the human needs is growth, and the translation to that in the garden is like, duh, things grow in a garden. Like, You can't stop them. They might not always grow the way you want them to. They might not always grow. um, What what grows might not always be what you want to, but a garden is nothing if not full of growth. Everything grows in a garden. You can't stop it from growing. 
it is a natural course. A, a garden cannot stay stagnant. In fact, even if like right now my garden has been turned over and we've dug some beds and we've raked it all out and it is ready to be planted. If we planted nothing, things would still grow. Most namely weeds would grow, right? But even beneath the soil, there are there are worms and grubs and all kinds of things that are growing and living in the soil itself. A garden is a place of growth and you can't stop it. It's not a garden without growth. And you can't have a garden that doesn't grow. And then number six, the sixth human need is contribution. From a garden perspective, the contribution that our garden makes is it's literally feeling us, feeding us. It's literally feeding us. And you get more out of it than you plant. When you have a garden, you plant a seed, a single tomato seed. And if you've ever cut open a tomato, you know that there are scores of seeds inside of that. One of those tomato seeds that comes out of one of those tomatoes, even if you discarded all the rest, one tomato seed will grow the plant that then grows scores of tomatoes. And you take one of those tomatoes it grows and take one of the seeds out of it, and then that seed will grow the plant that grows scores of tomatoes. It multiplies. So your, your, your garden feeds you and gives life to you and gives connection and gives certainty and uncertainty and significance and growth and love. And you get more out of it than you plant. You get back more than you put in it. Guys, I want you to think about the garden and I want you to think about your, where, what of these human needs you value? What of these human needs do you put more emphasis on? And that's not necessarily bad. We all have one or two that we put more emphasis on than the others. That's just the way it works. And like I said at the beginning, we all get these human needs met in different ways. I mean, robbing a bank would give me significance. I'm not tempted to do that, nor do I suggest doing that officially. I do not recommend that course of action, but it would give you significance, right? You would matter a whole lot in that moment. It would probably give you some um, certainty and uncertainty as well. It would give you connection, not necessarily a positive one, right? So that one action, even though it's a negative action, would give you at least four of these human needs. But what I'd really love to do is um, put the emphasis on the positive and think about how you can look at these needs, look at them in terms of a garden, and see in them what you value, what's important to you, and what you need to focus on, as well as what maybe you don't value as much that you could learn to see the beauty in. I do not love uncertainty. I will own that. That is one of my least favorite and least desirable of these human needs. I do still need it. I do still get bored with monotony after time, but it takes a long time for me to get bored with monotony. I do like new things, a new outfit or a new experience or going somewhere or seeing new life from my goats or seeing new life from my garden. I do like those things. I do not really like surprises. 
in general, like even gifts. I really don't. It's not something that excites me, but I need to see the beauty in it. I still need to see the benefit of uncertainty in my life and why it is something that was created inside of me. So I hope that you can walk away from this and look at your notes and spend some time journaling on this today. If you are willing to share with me what your thoughts are at the end of this, I would love to hear it. It fills my cup to see you taking this in and applying it to your life. So you could share it on social media and tag me. You could send me a message. You could leave me a review on iTunes. That would be amazing. And guys, if you listen to this and it blesses you, please share it. You can share it. Like I said, you can share the whole podcast on your social media or send it to somebody that you think would be blessed by it. And make sure that you tag me so that I can get just, it just fills my cup. I just love hearing from you and hearing how you are growing and stepping into your purpose. And things like subscribing or leaving a, a positive review or a positive rating on wherever you're listening help more people to hear this message. And I would really, really, it would mean a lot to me if you would do that. I love you guys. And I can't wait to talk to you next time.